0: Hey, we're gonna well um you know we're discussing welcome everyone to the book club meeting hey, two of the I'm right. like the book we grow um Sarah do you want to share anything from um chapter one that like you want to talk about because chapter one is actually the in, the whole intro to, in chapter one is really intense so if you want to like talk about anything from that chapter we're all ears I'm sure.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, overall, I think this is just probably one of the most disturbing texts I've read in recent memory. And I specifically wanted to join this book club because I feel like this wasn't on the radar of most people who are, like, trying to really chew into this type of um, politics right now. And so, I think, I don't don't know, I just, knowing that the author themselves was, like, a gender queer Black person, and this was their life's work, and they were constantly thinking about this, is, like, just, I don't know, just, like, so, I don't know the right word. Like, I feel exhausted reading this for an hour, and I'm not Black, (laughs) you know, and then just, like this person studied this, read this, and when they're talking in the introduction about all the lanes that Woodard went to just like really bring this to light and make sure this was known, I'm just like very grateful that it exists, but yeah. Honestly, yeah, it's a lot, <laughs> I'm sure.
2: In the particular, from uh, chapter
0: one, that you what I'm talking about, or uh, you can uh, do you personally um, remember?
1: Let me look at what I have. Um. Oh, I thought the um. There's what they're talking about in the romancing the cannibal section, which is on page thirty-four. And I think is kind of um, when they're talking about this, quote unquote, like romantic dynamic between uh, Aquino, Aquino and Richard, I don't know if I'm or no, I'm like mixing up different things. But I think that that was such a. Um, I mean, I feel like that trope of white saviorism through this like queer lens is, is, I mean, we can almost see that today with how many times that I feel like in mainstream queer, uh, just like media, it's like, oh, well this like white person will take you in and like take care of you and like, you'll be safe with them when really it's just like this incredible violence you're being subjected to and like being dehumanized and so that i mean that was just like something off the top of my head i was just like oh my god fuck this is gonna be <laughs> a lot um because like the the person the key, no, yeah and his friend he's like i mean he thinks well of of the guy you know he's not like oh this guy is um this man is like doing horrible things to me. He's like, you know, a par- you know. But obviously, it's in this power dynamic. But and then with the dynamic of the of the other person like threatening to kill them. I think that was like because I think also the the joining of like cannibalism and homoroticism, When I was reading in the tr- introduction, I was like, I'm not familiar with this at all. I don't have like any sort of like social science background or anything. But that like. Side by side comparison of like the sexual homoerotic dynamic with this other white man is what's saving this person from the cannibalism at the hand of this other white person is like just being right next to each other it was the first time like okay I'm gonna understand what this is like about but yeah yes. Yeah, I don't want to up too much space, but.
0: Yeah, the the rest of you we're talking about between Equiano and uh the captain and uh and Richard, that is that was like a great example of how like layered this 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 violence is and like yeah that's a great um yeah we, we spent like um a lot of time on chapter one. Um, were, were were there any particular like things that you took from chapter one involving religion?
3: Uh, I just wanted to add that I thought that was super interesting because when I think about Sanjin Perro. And how much people love San Junipero, and it's really, like, this super, <laughs> like, toxic and, like, almost, like, damaging relationship, but it's, like, a queer story, so, mm-hmm. so many people, like, like, yeah, so when you, when you brought that up, that's, like, what came to mind. Yeah,
1: and like, the aesthetics of it is just so, like, appealing, but I'm, like, actually, no. <laughs> yeah. Um. TVH, I got the pages mixed up and so I skipped it. I read like 80% of chapter one and I was like, oh, I want to be able to engage with chapter two. So I started reading chapter two. So I didn't get to the real interest as
0: I guess my, uh, a lot of what chapter one has is also in chapter two. So okay. we'll probably be yeah. talking about the same thing. Oh,
1: yeah, but... Yes.
0: Okay, so that's our our little chapter one recap, guys, (laughs) that's, um, you know, sex, honor, and human consumption, wow, this chapter starts off in hell, literally, so, um, anyone want to share anything from their experiences reading chapter two so far?
4: Well, how I felt as a reader was like I was at a bloody crime scene behind a yellow tape wanting to see what was going on, but also covering my eyes as I was reading, like it was a family member being brought out in a body bag, that kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that was general uh, tone of this chapter for me. But also really informative, I think. page 34 is a good segue to um, chapter two and
2: then it goes into that whole ball
3: metaphor with the Kentucky slave daughter. yeah yeah I, I chapter two was interesting because I I wanted to understand like kind of like that like the white mind and I feel like this was a really good chapter for that I've been watching like People interviewing Trump supporters lately, and like so much of like what is said in here is like subtly said, and everything that like those Trump supporter type people say, and I really thought that um, topics of like honor and the idea of like honor and humanness through the consumption of a black body, but also like trying to hide that that is happening too. It's like this dichotomy of like honor and dishonor and like gaining life from it i thought it was really interesting especially the last part was with nat turner i thought it was
2: just
0: yeah a lot whoa like um i got the sense Well, what i learned from this so far is that um do you know the idea that like starting to to look like before um, white people like had contact with like elevated people, colored people, black people, they were like some kind, they were like kind of empty, right? They kind of didn't have like, they didn't have their image of themselves all that, you know, fleshed out. So when they like contacted the black man, the black people, they like were able to create this fantasy of this, like, black beast. And then whatever that this black beast is, they're the opposite of that. And they, like, kind of, like, created their whole society just based off this, like, this, this fantasy type stuff. That, that's what I, 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 I am starting to believe, to really learn, is that the whole existence of, like, that white ideology exists because the opposite of that is the belief of them thinking that non-whites are like abhorrent creatures you know that justifies you know the existence of like this book having to be created because the actions were justified and done because
3: of like these sick ideologies they had yeah it's like the idea that like we're the missing link from between like the ape and like the rational logical white male who makes all his decisions like without any idea of like intuition or anything like that and that's like the way that black people get exoticized but also are treated like children at the same time which i thought was really interesting
4: the question comes for my comes to mind for me is uh, where is white masculinity without the black body? Mm-hmm. that's also something in this chapter that's, you know, excavated.
0: Um. Yeah, like what is white masculinity if not just dominating another being? Like, if, like what what else does white masculinity encompass besides dominating other creatures? i, I I'm, Were you guys able to? Uh, <laughs> figure that out
4: i think we can even delve a little deeper and um, form a dichotomy between the north and the, the south white male how they pointed the finger at each other in terms of who was more savage than the other one well, cannibalism is over there no it's, it's actually over there um so that's really interesting and then there's the quaker um,
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me, me, um, if if you weren't, if you weren't finished, please continue. So, the Quakers were a bunch of fake-ass names, man. They were not with it. They were not with the shit, because they were still fucking seeing black people as, like, soulless beasts, and they were still letting black people get aged and like, you know, just not even talking about that. So yeah, i really disappointed in like how the Quakers turned out to be, just like most white people, you know, not trustworthy. Um, must look at them with suspicion because, you know, if they're, if a, if a nigga's getting ate, they're not gonna tell you about it, that's for sure. Yeah, that was, like like,
1: to show like this shit the quaker narrative runs so deep in the us of them being so benevolent and good that when i read that I was like wait what like they weren't actually like radical and like have been morals yeah trad- so many
3: like white leftists use the quakers That's yeah <laughs> oh, like now it's like wow
1: <laughs> they're like we've been abolitionists i'm like uh i don't Yeah. No. I don't... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah I'm trying to find that quote right, that where the guy is talking about the like he's admonishing the north and their like cannibalism and I was like wow you're like halfway there <laughs> but then you like are still justifying like southern slavery <laughs> but at least he was like aware that like you know like the northern capitalist states are still benefiting from this type of consumption too I can't find it. Do you guys know where that, do you guys remember that book? Um, I forgot who it's from.
1: If you know a specific word I can control F it because <laughs> I have it on pdf. But, oh, I forget. Mm. 72, 73.
3: Oh, okay, seventy-two,
4: seventy-three. They
2: talk about the Nantucketers.
4: Mm. Or is it? Deeper. Yeah, well, wait,
0: were you talking about um? Um, it's at the, the bottom of the page seventy-three. It says the community at large still maintained ideas of blacks as lacking humanity and best suited to the roles of slaves and experience to white masters. This is when I'm reflecting about like, how people in Nantucket felt about black people, which was Quaker hometown. Yeah, um, geez, there's just so much to talk about in this. Um, so, I just want to talk about how even during the um the incident on the on the Peggy, the Peggy ship. When uh, let, let me let me just find it, I can read
2: it. Um,
0: okay, so the Peggy incident, right? They're all, all in the middle of the sea, like no one's no one's with with them, but when the white people have decided that they were gonna eat the black person and they still play that like mind game with him, thinking like having him think that okay, we're gonna draw straws and then maybe I'm not gonna get eight. You know, they had already like known that they were gonna eat him and they're like in the middle of the sea, it's like probably four versus one or a whole harbor, maybe all the time. But that just shows that like even when the numbers are greater, there's still that fear. That or that, that that fear or that insidious nature to not be like truthful with your intentions and yeah that's that's like that's my comment right there about this Peggy incident
3: yeah I, I think it's interesting too because it's like it's it's always like this fear you, you don't really know what white people are doing or thinking <laughs> behind your back. How like what are they planning behind your back? And I and that part was and I I I, I think it's so interesting because I'm wondering like, did they even come up with that or was it just so ingrained in them that they just knew that they're making this fake pact, but they know ultimately that like they're gonna kill the black people first and eat them without even like talking it over. Cause it's just so <laughs> like, ingrained in the white mind that you sacrifice, like, you know, black people. Yeah, exactly, and to add to, home, to add to home what you're
0: saying, I'm gonna read this quote. If these white men, isolated and stranded at sea, cannot bring themselves to claim the import and reality of black consumption, one can only imagine the depths of repression and silence within broader 19th century American culture. Oh my goddamn just changed the last the last like word well just are the 21st century and like we're, we're right on the money because yeah. we still live in this society we still living in this in this era where can't trust them you trust them nine times out of ten something bad is probably going to happen yeah that's how white supremacy operates uh, i
2: think the
0: phrase
4: um rituals of democracy and fairness really captures our time right now. It reminds Mm -hmm. me of uh, Michelle Obama's DNC speech, and how she brings up, there were two swing states and nearly two votes that could have, you know, completely altered the the decision Trump being president. And I'm like, huh, rituals of democracy. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do we draw the line in terms of, uh, you know, civic engagement and like other processes like um, the electoral college, um, rituals of democracy. Remind
1: me of that. Under this guise, that there's any other possible outcome when at the end of the day there will continue to be like violence against black people. But pretending that maybe there couldn't be.
2: It's like electoral politics right now.
1: This is the chapter. They, oh, something that kind of stuck out to me that was particularly uh, disturbing was when uh, the authors comparing the, at the very, very beginning, like, how the slave owner enjoyed torturing this man more than going to the ball and, like, comparing, like, the sensuality he would have experienced with a white woman to the act of enacting violence against a black and I was just like holy shit this is like I don't know it just trying to like contextualize that within what we see today is a lot and that like I don't know pleasure and suffering it's it's like hard to understand because I feel like people yeah. around me don't embody that pleasure. Yeah,
0: yeah for, um, for whatever reason, um, white ideology, according to white ideology and white supremacist ideology, the, the, the black race is the lady of the races, according to this book. Therefore, I think it, 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 it definitely made it a lot easier for them to gain pleasure from their actions with that mindset that oh okay like you know the black race is the lady of the races of course the white race is the man powerful race so of course you know me butt-breaking this slave is not homo like it's not me being a like you know a, a rapist homosexual it's just me dominating me inserting my my benevolent power you know <sighs> shit, man you know, I, I, we're gonna have to talk about it. So, uh, I'll start. Seasoning. Oh um, uh, man. Any, any any thoughts on? Well, actually, if, if you like have never, if you ever heard the term seasoning used this way before. Can can you share that experience of um, you know, you know, going from like using that terminology for your food to learning about and how it was used to condition slaves? Yeah.
4: Well, that whole thing was new for me. I I remember the author discussing how the truth has always been in our face and that it's definition 17 in some popular dictionary, the actual definition of the historical, you know, slave. right, your mic is
0: bad right now.
4: Okay, I'll get closer. Um, The author says that it's definition 17 in one of the popular dictionaries and that truth has always been there. Uh, But the seasoning of Black youth was what was most profound to me um we see that on the slave ship that smith was on he was recruited by a black by a white slave owner uh to work on his ship he told them him that he would make him a man and a sailor but in reality we see that it is smith the slave boy that is making the white shipper whatever you want to call the guy a man um and there's a quote that i want to share it's Mm -hmm. um just to paraphrase it it talks about how the black dog black domination, specifically with youth, um, sort of encapsulates that whole of uh, white, um, I'll read the thing. Uh, white supremacy uh, says, the captain reinforces Smith's infantile state by stripping him down. Um, but this is a part I want to get to is the last sentence of the paragraph from um, 85. Domination of the Black youth ensures the captain's supremacy. Um, and you see that today in many instances. Tamir Rice, uh, to Trayvon Martin, uh, and the list is endless. So, Seasoning does have uh, its contemporary um, parallels. Um, and if I can just share my own personal ex- example with seasoning,
2: yeah, of course.
4: Um, I thought, you know, I graduated from high school and I knew where I was going for college. <laughs> Uh, but I was seasoned in that one day after taking the AP um, exam, I don't know if it was econ or something like that, but it was, yeah, econ, i say it was for econ. And I'm crossing the street to go back to school, even though we were free for the day, uh, to turn in a notebook for extra credit. Um, and as I'm crossing the street from the city hall where the test was taken, I was pulled over by a black cop who chose to you know, exert his dominance. Negro, why aren't you in school? I'm pretty sure that they knew students were taking an ap exam because the police department is right across the street from the city hall uh but after that experience i was roughed up a little bit put up against the car put in handcuffs and he took me back to school as a quote favor uh but in reality he was beating my (laughs) black ass maybe not physically but you know that psychological Mm -hmm. definitely happening um and so i arrived at school in handcuffs you know and there it is all hell and I learned I guess to be afraid uh, but then you get over it
0: yeah. um for the next meeting I'm gonna I'm gonna have um I'm gonna like, have the clip so, so so we can hear it but i was going to talk about um this the song it starts on page 77 seven at the bottom and it says so so master done put a chain around his legs so he just hardly walked and he has to work in the field that way at night he put another chain around his neck and fastened it to a tree after three weeks master turned him loose and that the proudest nigger in the world and the hardest working nigger master had after that. This reality re- reminded me of um, this clip from this movie called The Dam Busters where they have a dog named nigger and they're just like, come here nigger, sit, sit here nigger and the dog is so obedient and when I was watching that clip, I just, I didn't see a dog in my pocket. I saw a black person, you know, I saw like a, a black slave like on, on all fours you know, being bent to these white people's will. I'm like, damn, this is the conditioning. Like if you were like were, like a black person and this you are you you have like um and you watch this movie and you have family members. You could have had like a grandma who was a slave because we came out in the sixties. So I'm like, damn th- this conditioning is like so 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 horrible. I, I just really horrible like just or something that I Experience and related to the book I want to share. Um, also, we have um, the slave driver who's putting, um, we have the slave driver who's putting the black people in a coffin as part of their seasoning condition. I'm like, hmm, I wonder how, how common this was for it to be like um, the trope of the vampire, you know, to pop out of the coffin. Uh, you know to die and then come back uh, I just I just wonder how much of um this stuff has bled into like other other like just, that's it.
4: Seem like the only thing that would interfere with can can you all hear me
2: mm-hmm.
4: the only thing that would interfere with these um barbaric practices was that earthquake that happened that you know, shattered the shack and it's like yeah. is anybody does anybody else care is, is that like divine intervention what else is mm-hmm. it going to take to for someone to stop you know yeah. that's just the thought i have yeah
1: Yeah, that stuck out to me as well. I was like, and then how like they wait? He it describes how after the earth, earthquake, everything just like went back to normal. He was like, okay, don't say anything.
2: But
1: like, that was what we would take.
0: Uh, I I just want to like go back to what Ebony said about domination of the black youth ensures the captain supremacy. Um. This is like how how the world is is ran. I believe you. You know, keep the non-whites. You know, under you know constant state of of the threat of being like, you know, brutalized. And that's how you show that your white counterparts that you guys are still on top and you guys still have the power to destroy any way you want to. And I think um, these slave voyages, these, how long they were just gave them so much time to just learn about the Himasaki and how to break the psyche. And I'm sure later chapters talk talks more about that. But yeah, I
3: think it reverberates, too, into how, like, Black people treat their youth, too. Yeah, hell
0: yeah. Like it,
3: um, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that Black children have opportunities to, I think it's because, like, the parents have that fear, too, so I don't know what I'm trying to say, but, yeah. Great.
0: I, I I can personally uh, attest that like, growing up as a descendant of a, a slave person. Um. Uh. Yeah. Like I, I see. Um. Black parents beat their children like slaves, and like that's not a, a exaggeration. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you. That's exaggeration, and that's the slave mentality that we still have in our psyche today because the trauma of slavery was so abhorrent. And there, there has never been, like, a period of reflection, a period of healing, a period of justice, a period of anything that would alleviate the trauma of slavery. So, of course, you have 20, 20 people still, you know, being like, having the mentality of slave masters and, slave, and slaves.
2: Yeah,
3: and, and not even just, like, physically, but, like, mentally, I feel like it's so much more common for me to see black kids at very young ages being like, yes sir, yes ma'am, being like super, almost like hyper, like respectful of like people that are older than them. And it's like, I think, it, yeah, it comes from that. Cause I feel like, yeah, I can expand on it, but it's just something that I was thinking about. It's almost
1: like this fear I'm thinking of like the youth that I work with and the kids and it, it's, I don't know if, maybe one would say respect, but I think it's more of just like the fear of like the older and like their parents and stuff.
2: And they're just like,
0: um, this is a sick, this like weird obsession with like, this love, this obsession
2: just intense
0: hate and intense desire for black for access to black bodies and, and like we have here um on page 85 in the middle we have Virginia who was raised on a plantation oh, never mind. Pollard a defender of slavery declared a southern negro the most lovable of creatures in his place so yeah we have like you know human beings being made into pets and then we have regular other human beings thinking that this is like very okay behavior and him like, you know, putting the Negro on this, on the top pedestal of animals.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
3: on that same page too, it's like, um, it's the one where they talk about how, it says the Negro is as natural, oh, it's the next page, and permanent as the landscape, as aesthetically pleasing and necessary to the cultured citizen as poetry. And then like on the previous page, he says like, he looked like home. I could have embraced the old uncle, but was afraid of the passenger. And that is like, when I was watching those Trump supporters, I was like, this is what they long for. Like this is the nostalgia that they like are fighting for. This idea of like having that subordinate person making you feel like you are home like you are in everything is in this like rightful order and and then i when i was like listening to it i was like wow this all makes sense because like all of this talk about patriotism Mm -hmm. and like loving your country like that's what they see as their country it's like their domination manifested in like subordinate people and yeah, like, so it's, it was just super, like I just like really liked that whole part because I think it's so much deeper than just like these people are racist. It's like these people are gaining meaning of life mm. from, from like... Yeah, so, like, literally like yeah. comfort. Yeah like, yeah. yeah, like meaning of home, like think about what home okay. means to you. Like the feeling you get when you've been away and then you're back and to see that in a person that is like subservient to you. And it's not even, it wasn't even a black person that he knew. It was just someone on the train who was black. And it's like, so that is just, that was so intense for me to like think about.
0: Yeah, that was a huge revelation for me because it's like, wow, like their entire fucking identity existence, desires, wants, past, history and future is based off like their connection their parasitic connection to black people like parasitic connection to black people and it's just what like this this, is, this has to be some form of insanity that we've all been in condition to think a normal <laughs>
4: that's my cents.
0: and um to 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 keep adding on to that, I wanna read um, the next page, page 86. Um, uh, The Negro is the institution of family and home and simultaneously and evaporate of nothing, a non-entity to the Southern white gentleman who just as soon lynched his object of of affection where the black man to step outside of his place. And that's it, man. That that's the the tight rope the Negro must walk on in this world. You know, you know, you know. Please, master. Please, I'm just right.
3: Sweet don't get on the
0: outside, though. Trying to be
3: that's
1: so disturbing <laughs> to think that, like, for this white man to see a black man, that's what would he would be reminded of home because of that dynamic versus I can imagine in many situations, um, like some, like a black person, even just myself, a Mestiza, like if I were to see another Mestiza person after not for a long time, I feel, I would feel home, but like from a different lens, not as a power, but as comfort as like, oh, like I'm safe, I'm with my people or something like this. And this white man is, thinks of home because of this like, I'm just, I mean, that's so disturbing. And I wonder like how many white people are comforted by the image of when they view black people in certain depictions and like even today and like that makes them feel like home versus their discomfort when they see black people with power or like yeah. um, with capital or something or, and
4: yeah. even if they,
1: they think they like it in some way, like they're still more comforted by seeing um, black folks like in poverty, like unwell and sickness and so.
3: Damn, yeah, right. that's a good point point. and i think too like um i think what i've always what i've been thinking lately is that it's not even like black people having necessarily like power mm-hmm. that frightens them it's having autonomy and not even thinking about white people because like when you were saying that i feel like all of those tropes are still around like the mammyism that like goes on now where it's like black women are saving us like black women are the ones that are voting all the like you know like we rely on black women to do it and it's like Mm -hmm. this idea that the black woman isn't of service to these white people and she's and like they're saving them Mm -hmm. and so even within like liberalism there's that idea of home like like either like this subservient class of people will will bring everything back to like you know what we think is right yeah Yeah. exactly lead
1: us to the right thing (laughs) yeah
3: exactly so i think that's really interesting
0: I feel like if you understand like this mindset, it's easy to see black suffering in and, and 2020, black suffering reminding white people of the great America that Trump is allegedly um, bringing in. And the threat, like the threat of America, the threat of their home is when Obama was in power and all those, they all started buying, all the white supremacists and white people started buying ammunition and guns, we call it the Obama effect because a black person gets an office, you know, the white people go buy guns and buy ammunition because they think the black people are gonna I don't know take over. I don't know. but we, we can't take over until the system is, is, is dismantled. We don't want to take over. We just want to stop being realized. I promise, guys. But moving on, just it's, it's so interesting. I'm glad that we're like connecting these dots. It really.
3: Yeah, and they also talk about the the other part that I liked was the the grandmother black man. Uh, that part was super interesting too, because it's it's like um, the male mammy type like trope too. Like the yeah, um, and I think that it's so like ingrained in black people to just like care about white people like, and like, care for their egos. And it's almost like you have to unlearn that and like make like, because it's like so ingrained in you. And so I think that that type of character that he talks about is really interesting. Yeah, and, and we
0: see that in every form of entertainment. You always see the non-white character saving the white character, we all, and, and like, um, it's so funny in these white supremacist movies, we, it's so rare to see a black man kill a um, white woman, even if a white woman is a bad is, is a bad character is a bad person. Because that's like the white fear, the white supremacist fear, is the white woman being taken by the black man and raped and killed. You know, which is you don't have a history of doing that. White people have a history of doing that. It's, it's you know, so I don't know why we're not even seeing it. Just that projection. Anyway, I digress a little. I, I was going, to, I was going to say, um, no, I forgot. I got, I got, I probably I to not say it. I to
4: hear it. I to hear it.
1: So I'll go off of what you and Ashley were saying that it is so ingrained in every aspect of media, even things that are like,
4: oh yeah,
1: like because I guess I I'm starting to recognize like there's new tropes of where like the therapist is always like a black woman, and so like I'm like okay, this is like like a mammy caricature, like I can see that, and even though like the protagonist maybe is like South Asian or whatever, like not even a white, like, you know, we're getting into all these like liberal identity politics, like Netflix is so, like making big steps, but really not, because the tropes are still being carried out, but even seeing that as well with like a grand, like the man version of that mammy, like dynamic, um, also so prevalent in so many things coming out now and like educators principles that is just like so comforting and and who are they mostly comforting is like non-black children specifically white children
0: like yeah there's some reminders there so like yeah the most the recent this recent netflix movie called project power one of the main villains is this evil white chick and jamie fox the black the black man, he's not allowed to kill this woman. She dies in a freak accident at the end of the movie. They did not allow the black man killed this woman. I'm like, this is how she dies, really? I was so, like, in disbelief because if
2: I said, there <laughs>
0: it's like why wow. it could not be more obvious because they did not want to show this strong black man killed as a white woman I was so <laughs> I was like wow wow wow, wow. She, she gets killed by this this is what this fuck and we see if you look at The Walking Dead I used to love that show because of the comic this comic is not that racist this TV show oh my god how many times did I have to see a black person getting ate alive because he's saving a white chick it's just not. It's just and and like that's why it's a very popular show on the White Supremacy website. If you um everyone wanna go down a rabbit hole. But white supremacy online areas activity you know, everywhere. Oh, so let's talk about um another mentality that is still prevalent today. I'm I'm just gonna read a quote and we're gonna unpack it. Um, so so this is like context: Uh, interviewing slaves after slavery. Um, Interviewed years after slavery, he revealed, "I know." all about slavery and the war i was right there on the spot when it all happened i wish to goodness i was back there now not in the war but in slavery times i do remember hearing about slaves on other places getting whipped sometimes i guess niggers like that wish they was free but i didn't want to leave my white folks ever so two two points you know um this, this this mentality of like you know being so brutalized by your captives you know this is a really intense version of stockholm syndrome paired with like you know after slavery i am sure if you fucking were like a, a house negro or you had like a, a good slave role i'm sure you know living under a good master was probably better off than living in whatever shack the government probably gave to you after slavery you know because i doubt people were given like any form of decent housing decent avenues to uh, prosper after slavery no one ever got those 40 acres or those mules. so um, i feel like this makes really sense very tragic but it makes perfect sense
3: yeah it sounds like like most you know, like black conservatives today <laughs> like that believe that like yeah it's not that bad type of mentality it still persists and it's it, and it's interesting because that actually is more of the narrative in the general public than like anything in this book is which is yeah. really sad but like I know like it's very common to hear people say that even people who are black or people who um try or like POCs who try to discount what black people, black Americans went through during slavery is to kind of say like well we all went through this or what or some we all like this all happened to all of us or something and that there's nothing special that like you know like your suffering is not special in a way to like discount what they think is real. Like as an African person, like the, I've experienced people saying that a lot and I think it's, it's. I'm always wondering like how smart are these people? Like in terms of like the, like, the white people who set up these structures or are aware of these structures. Like are they intentionally like pitting like people against each other with these ideologies knowing that there's gonna be a group who has just a little bit more in one way. Cool, like, you know, we're like it's always like this type of infighting, and I think it's super deliberate, and so that way, because I see it in every aspect of anyone who has power, even a little bit. So,
0: yeah,
3: yes, I,
0: yes, 100%. The you know, white supremacist entire game is subjugation and confusion, subjugation and confusion, and confusion causes conflict and you know, it, it, it just everything
2: just.
0: As I said, the definition we use for racial white supremacy is um, white people dedicated to uh, subjugating. Uh, actually, let me find. Actually, no. Is it uh, early
1: I, death. Hmm. It's by. Is it the definition by Ruth that abolitionists? Mm-hmm.
0: um no but it's, it's on our youtube page i have definitions those are you should you learn both those definitions because that's those are definitions that that we use and that. you know, we're talking about identity, that's where but um yeah once you understand that nothing will confuse you
2: mm-hmm.
0: besides why are they so sick like, like i don't know i just i i can do anything in this book ever like i I wanna uh, um is it gonna talk about later on like like once like uh the white people started improving their firearms i wanna if it's gonna talk about that I'm so interested into learning how like they just got really happy with the new guns and just look for any reason to shoot. Can you guys come up with any, um, like, any logical reasons, like, asking why a person would gain pleasure from, uh, like, maiming people, like, cutting flash, searing flash? Do you guys know, like, can you guys have any, like, ideas where this stems from? I, I don't.
4: One thing that does come to mind for me is uh, hunting. You know mm. the thrill of that, seeing oh, a deer or mongoose and skinning it, and you know the whole process, of prepping it and eating it. That's the closest thing that I can think of in regards to that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Wow yeah white people do love a good hunt for sure they love a good hunt yeah, look at aubrey, the aubrey the the black man who was um murdered by those by from right he's running from people they shot him down you guys you guys know what i'm talking about right in georgia yeah, aubrey. yeah so yeah it, a lot of people compare um like black deaths to like fox hunting because the thrill that comes with that you know most of the time the fox is already captured you know the fox is already dead but they the fox doesn't know that so they chase the fox for fun and it down kill it and and then they go to the lodge have a drink and uh, yeah it was fun hunting that nigger down real fun
4: and the social esteem that comes with it by having a deer head hung in your you know your cigar mm-hmm. or whatever i talking yeah. about it with your white supremacist friends i caught that nigger today you
1: know <laughs> yeah. that parallel
0: yeah um, yeah and, and we're, we're we're gonna get all into i'm sure we're gonna get all into that when week Maybe learn more about lynching and how motherfuckers were taking testicles as trophies you know yeah let's hang, hang on top of the balls off I don't want them in a jar I want them in a jar I think that'll, that'll be a nice pair of a Betsy you know Betsy will love it on her cupboard
1: Ebony what you said like really just reminded me just like the spectacle of hunting and just it's like almost, I don't know, like, the homoeroticism of that, of just, like, men being, like, they're not just, like, going to kill an animal because they need to to eat. It's, like, they're gonna hunt this deer with, like, a $5,000 gun and all this, like, hunting gear and, like, take all these pictures and it's, like, it's, I don't know, this, like, grand event. Like, it's so sick. (laughs) It's not, like, the same as people, like, living off of the land, right? And, like, in balance with the land and like with animals and that is just like this perversion and but the reality obviously is like no person needs to do that to another person and so that's why it's even like more disgusting and like perplexing like because yeah like hunting is the closest thing i can think of of like someone being like oh like that was so like I don't know, I can't even like imagine hunting an animal, <laughs> but that just was so like thrilling. Yeah, that was exactly like that was like that was so thrilling. Wow, but um, <laughs> but then just even that to something close to this sort of violence is like the yeah. gap is too big. Like I can't wrap my
0: yeah. head. Up I don't know if I brought this up last week, but never forget Katrina. White people drove from different states to hunt people, hunt black people in New Orleans. Drove from other states, fully armed to hunt black people down. Over a thousand people died during Katrina. But what what are people talking about during Katrina? Looting, black people losing and raping babies in a stadium. I remember that for sure. I was like, Stadium, Superdome, what's going on over there? Raping and it's it's anarchy. (laughs) Black people are (laughs) fighting. Driving down to hunt hunt niggers uh, according to them, and and and. And then like, like like someone just said, yeah, talking to their friends about it,
3: literally telling like. Yeah, there's like this video too um, in June, after people were looting during the uprisings, and in LA, I think there's like some. I don't. I I think there's like a Mexican gang and they're all just like getting ready and they're like we're gonna protect our hood against these like black people looting and they all get ready to like fight them and shoot them and I think there was like cops that said like just let them shoot each other or something like there's a recording of that and like (laughs) that so reminds me of a hunt and how everyone gets involved in the hunt and it's just like the lynching too like Just like rally everyone for the spectacle of like the hunt. And people were so, like, the moment that property was like damaged, people were getting like deputized, like white people and things like that, like to get ready to just like shoot and hunt and kill. And it's not even, I don't even think that people care about property damage. I think people are just using an excuse to like want to harm like black people and poor people, but especially black poor people. So I thought that was really interesting.
4: I wonder how many lifelong bonds have been formed around, you know, a black dead body. Like what comes to mind for me is the camaraderie, the technique, always from the beginning of shining your gun, picking out the gun to shooting it. It's a cultural like practice. like
0: yeah yeah the actually the the gun is considered like it's called the great equalizer and it's actually it's 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 seen as like the white man's penis you know like that that's where all the white man's power comes from it's it's, it's the gun this is according to dr um Wilson, who wrote the ice papers which is like the book that like broke down breaks down white supremacy i can't wait to get that book. <laughs> But yeah, 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 the culture of of guns is just the extension of white supremacy. They're like,
3: oh. yeah, because that's like the whole reason that the slave trade even happened. Because white people were trying to invade Africa for a long time, and it wasn't until they had like ammunition. People yeah. think that it happened easily, but it did not. Like, it took a it was a lot of work for white people to do it it until like they had guns so like guns literally are like yeah, the yeah. symbol of like white supremacy because yeah. they were able to like yeah
0: the the, the gun the gun may like may, maintains the power of the white man while genociding black bodies you know that's that's the way you equalize it because anybody anybody with a gun could kill a black person you know how white people view the black body as a strong beast, that's what they call the gun a great equalizer, you know, a gun to kill any monster, according to them. So yeah.
3: And that also adds like more context when you think about the perception of the black man as like the beast that is like like when that guy who killed Mike Brown was saying, like, he was like a a demon or possessed
2: or-
4: Superhuman. So
3: it really is like, to them, the great equalizer because they, they see like, Black people as people, not even, well, not people that they can fight, just like these large menacing beasts. Yeah, and
0: no matter, no matter the age, they, they will perceive a Black person as a threat, no matter the age, you know, Tamir Rice speaks for himself, And the treatment of black slaves, black children during, during the bellum. like, you know, it's all here, it's all here, white people have no humanity, hey, it's all here. So
4: if um, the gun is a symbol for white supremacy, is it pure, like, audacity or, or audaciousness or whatever the word, the form? that symbolize black power, uh, I think Matt Turner is a good example of that audacity. Mm-hmm. Um, no guns, just mega power.
2: That
3: um. <laughs> <laughs> has to be like a quote. <laughs> 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 I don't want a shirt that
2: says <laughs>
0: I'll make that a clip. I'll be the first clip on our Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty <crazy>. amazing. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah, maybe that's a good segue into how into how Matt Turner <sighs> fought the good fight. And I, I just, um, learning about the like, insurrection, I was just like, fuck. Mm-hmm the aftermath of it like how the how the innocent slaves were just brutalized because of like that 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 really fucked me up like damn just people don't even know what's going on you know because not everyone's in you know you can't not everyone can be involved in a revolution you know people are, not for everybody so you have these innocent slaves just trying to be a good slave next thing they're really getting fucking captivated because matt turner is doing his own thing i'm just like white people suck
3: I I thought it was like interesting too how he talks about um, how the black people didn't use castor oil for so long as like a a little act of like solidarity, which I thought was really cool. Because if you actually think about it, like people really do tell you to use castor oil for like everything, and it must have been even more ingrained back then so to like go without it was probably a huge sacrifice yeah and so i thought it was really interesting because it's always like projected that we are the cannibals
0: yeah matt's body was boiled up his oil saved and sold for a long Period as panacea for all ills and known as nat grease. Come on down the Thames, the, 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 the Thames elixirs and get some nat grease. Fuck. Now, like, white people like, listen to this. Unspoken codes of honor and vengeance drove whites to quarter, burn, maim, and behead blacks whom they saw as having violated the sacred promises of white masculinity, white family, and the innocence and embodied and murdered white babies. Someone like, so they, they care so much about. Life these quote unquote white babies, but, you know, they're, they're all, they're all, I, I, I don't have a, yes yeah, so the whole white identity is full of hypocrisy. It's just this huge amalgamation of like hypocrisies and just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that these people operate this way Yeah, it has to be like, um, like the white supremacists who are like running the show and have all the other white people on, on whatever frequency we want to call them to be on. Geniuses. Absolute geniuses. Because no system has been successful ever in the history of like that we know of. Unless you guys uh, correct me if I am wrong,
4: please. I couldn't imagine walking into a haberdashery and then having a bottle of nat turner just in the display like they talk about medicinal cannibalism but what do they get from that i'm so curious what do do y'all think
2: about that what do they get from that
0: well just 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 in terms of the universe like everything is energy so like you know they, they they probably got energy in a form of like you know, I'm ingesting this 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 nigger who had the audacity to to actually kill us, to actually fight and 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 want a life not full of misery and hardship. What the fuck was he thinking? Now I'm eating his ass. I don't know. That,
4: that.
1: Still, that's like next level though. Like as punishment, as to strike down that ideas to go to the, I mean, just like, of consuming, like, the remnants, like, that is, I don't know, like, I don't, it doesn't even, that's the thing is, like, so many of these things contradict itself, each other, like, their beliefs, they're, like, they have certain views of, like, Nat Turner, but then, like, if they really thought that, why would they ingest anything <laughs> of his mm-hmm. remnants, like, but then, but it's, I don't know, it's sick, like, I, it, it always comes back to power and even like the punishment that makes me think of just like anytime there's any sort of uprising or um, yeah, or like change or like standing up to some sort of empire or something. It's the backlash that they use, like the violence they did on everyone else who wasn't even involved with the uprising to prevent it from ever happening again. Like just that fear and like that memory of the fear they know is like more powerful than, of, of actually stopping like change from happening. I, um, that was a digression, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree.
0: I think um, white people do a really good job of, like, hiding behind laws and policy, which also probably made it a lot easier to, like, do this shit, you know, because if a law says illegal for you to own a person, then, yeah, you're going to be able to convince yourself that it's not bad, it's legal, it's legal, white people love saying that's legal or illegal, so I think, um, if we look at all the horrible like policies mm-hmm. that have existed throughout like you know history,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we'll clearly be able to see that white people will create the most like inhumane Jim Crow laws. Follow them like they're doing something good. You know I'm not breaking the laws. niggas should be here. It's, it's whites only. I'm not breaking laws. niggas should be here. Like what? 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 It's, yeah. So you're a good person for obeying a law that causes suffering and misery. That's the that's the ideology and I, I love to see it, I love to understand it.
3: I think it's interesting too, cause it's like, well, I guess like with, for white people, they're not human, right? They're just like products, objects. So it's almost like something that, like if you think of in their mind, like Nat Turner as something that is like a product that is like malfunctioning. <laughs> And now you've, like, turned it into something else that is beneficial oh, yeah. for you. Wow. So, like, you've you taken it from, you know, like, it's almost like they think that it's, in ing- is it called ingenuity or something? Yeah. Life? <laughs> yeah, that's it's sad. like you, you fixed oh, something.
0: You repurpose, like, yeah. Like, yeah, you
3: repurposed it, right? So that's what yeah, I was thinking. Dark. I mean, on one, on one hand, it's also obviously, like, retribution and, like, revenge. But it's also, like, the idea of, like, yeah. taking something that's broken to them.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. okay.
0: that also could be one in an earlier form, so like, the mod- kind of modification of death.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez.
0: Um. Okay, so I want to talk about this, this dispensary, dispensatory, that they have page 92. I'm just going to read. Uh, it says, Reverend Edward Taylor was a New England practitioner whose dispensatory included remedies made from human blood, heart, flesh, and other parts of the human body meant to be took or ingested. And this practice, which Taylor brought over from England, the body parts were usually obtained from criminals paying for various crimes. It was commonly thought the best parts came from artificial mummies who had died a violent death not surprisingly one cannot find cannot readily find such information in general inventories of medical supplies in the early american colonies or within the contents list of hypocrisies Ah man so I I used to be able to go back into a shop and like buy some stuff with human parts and uh, and Big Farmer has changed
3: Wait so I have a question like do you guys think that there is any type of consumption that could ever be like loving or is that like weird (laughs) (laughs) like
2: yeah
1: no that's a good question i mean also comes up in a lot of i feel like different forms of media yeah (laughs) like people like have eaten like their like loved ones like ashes like i have like yeah like seeing that or like or the closest thing is like when people eat their own like placentas or something
3: yeah that's what i was thinking about
1: but um this is
3: I mean I don't <laughs> think that that I don't think that Right, is, like, right, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, like, but like if like there's institutionalized, like institutionalized right yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: There's also giving blood at the Red Cross, but I don't mm. think the underlying, you know, function is pleasure, it's health. But right. if <laughs> your pleasure, that's I don't know. Maybe the placenta eating, that that's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah.
0: i said for at least two generations the entire south south hampton black community stopped using castor oil Yeah.
3: well yeah i whole the whole like Nat turner backlash is so it's so interesting like um yeah because it's it's so interesting just juxtaposed to like who are the black people that are like accepted like our accepted heroes (laughs) that they give us you know Mm -hmm. versus like someone like matt turner who like they don't even talk about like i think they said that like one of the houses they put like this is the last house that he went to like it was like almost like this white victimhood of like Mm. this is the last place he violated and stuff and i think that's really interesting to think about like who are we allowed to take from and like who are like yeah like a part of like the black tradition that we can have versus the ones that we're not allowed to have because they they like take away that history from us
4: for me what you just said brings up this question of what do historically silence people how do they usually speak and the answer that comes to mind is through passed down behaviors. And just for the sake of them not using castor oil, speaks to a certain truth that mm-hmm. um, can't fully be articulated in the text because, as you said, the history wrote itself in you know, the oppressors' pen. So um, I think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: And we don't even have the details about that, We don't have a kill count. We don't have if he actually fucking killed babies. We don't have shit. We just have what they did to him afterwards. And I'm just so fucking like, what? White people are really a hot mess. White supremacists. White people mess the fuck up. Man. Hey.
1: Actually, like what you said, like, what the... Even, like, the figures that we are taught about now, they're... What they did is totally manipulated. Like even in the ways, like if there is any radical thought at all, that is, they, they just like totally water it down. I mean, most recently, obviously with like any activist from the '60s, like, yeah. <laughs> like, they get militants like no, 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 like just <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. And so you like so no one, and that just is like so powerful in making people think that's just like not even a possibility in making. All non-white people just like more like liberal and centrist rather than like. I think
0: this book is echoing the reality that white people are just becoming comfortable with the idea that other bodies can think, you know, are capable of thought, are capable of agency. This is why, we like, you know, when um, when um, Smith, the slave boy on the ship he was like he was punished for quote-unquote daring to think you know so you know back in the slave time you know you do what you're told you know that's it you know do what you're told you know and i i'm sure um some of us can see that mentality from our parents who like when we were growing up they just expected us to just do whatever they said with no question no question comment or, or nothing just you know be a little slave it's still here it's still here
3: yeah that whole section was a lot like it was a lot. It, it's interesting too because like i don't i feel like i'm not really sure what i'm trying to say but i feel like when you see a lot of slave movies too you see like um the master being abusive but not as, like, sadistically as, like, that part was. Like, like setting him up so that you can torture him, right? Because it's, like, he he obviously can't cook the fish, and you know that, but it's, like, you want to be angry at him. Versus, like, I feel like sometimes in movies, it'll be, like, oh, I'm so tired, I can't work anymore. And then that's, like, when the master, like, gets mad. Yeah. yeah. But this is, like, no, like, he wanted, like, he wanted a reason to, like exert like power over him, which I I don't feel like I've seen before. I usually see it as in another way.
0: Yeah. I remember I watching Toilet is a slave and like me seeing the Brad Pitt character who was like a good Christian or whatever the fuck role he plays in that movie. But me seeing his character gave me relief. I'm like, okay, a good fucking white person. Finally. But the reality of the situation was that for, and for, for the slave era it was very few relief for those slaves like there was no brad pitt coming to the plantation to save them if anything just coming to the plantation to you know use them for their own gain their own sexual pleasure their own labor to rent them out for whatever um damn yeah
1: it's a fantasy for both yeah. Like current white and
0: yeah. black and, and, and non black people. It also feels that continued thirst to experience and witness black suffering because all these fucking slave movies, black suffering, sweaty nigga getting their ass beat, barely even clothes on. That's what you're going to see in this movie. That's what they love seeing, you know, black suffering. Oh, and, um, yeah. I just want to talk about, um, <laughs> Project Power again, because in the very beginning of that movie, we fucking see a, we have Jamie Foxx, like, it's a very scary scene, he kidnaps this black woman, and it was in the scariest way ever, they eventually become friends though, but it's just like, that fear of being kidnapped by a black man in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. it's in this movie now, and, 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 and people are, people no, are gonna see it, and be like, oh, that could happen to me, you know, it's gonna continue, <laughs> yeah. gonna continue like, It's disturbed racial thinking, racist thinking that you know white supremacy produces. And I think it's only safe to watch the movies if you understand that you live in a white supremacist society. Therefore, you have to watch the movies this lens, or you're really gonna like, really gonna be conditioned to be an idiot.
1: Yeah, you can internalize some really fucked up shit. Did either that reminds me? Did any of y'all see like the Umbrella Academy? Okay. It was like,
2: they they,
1: they have one black character who is just so, so powerful, but she, it, it, it's just, if, if you ever watch it, it like reminds me of that. It's like, if you have a critical lens, you can see that the way they're writing her, she doesn't use her power, basically. She like withholds because it, it it's too much. She can basically just control people. Like, she'll be like, do what I say. <laughs> and and she goes back in time to the civil rights movement in the south and, and i'm like okay she could literally just tell all these millions of people what to do but she's like no no like we have to do like actions and like sit-ins and i'm just like what?
2: <laughs> <is us> to <laughs> not
0: use our power to not use our voice yeah to, to not think, to not do anything but submit to the rule of like supremacy
3: that's that's like how you were talking about in The Walking Dead, how Michonne has like it's like a swordsmith or
2: something. I'm so like yeah, she never,
3: but she she's out here Lord. taking care of this white baby.
0: Like remember, like I want to talk about Terminator because like in the movie Terminator, like the machines are supposed to be the black people. It's supposed to represent like the black fear of like oh the black people are going to eventually like get out of power and start killing us. So this is why um we Terminator. Insanely racist. Actually, any movie where like you see machines, or you see like non, Zombies. yeah, yeah, non-white people, or um, even sometimes the white people are are supposed to be the black people because white supremacists know that they make these movies for, for them. They make them for themselves. So when we see like um, I was thinking about telling Ash. I was telling you about the movie Robots. Who's seen the movie Robots? That that CGI movie. I Robot. The oh, uh, similar, iRobot is the same <laughs> thing, you know, like, if, you look, if you think about iRobot, iRobot is literally about this black guy who he's, he's suspicious of these robots who are going to like start this rebellion type thing and a, and robots are like the second class citizens in that movie. But the, the robots actually do do a rebellion, which is like, oh, the white fear is actually going to happen. Black people are actually going to do something which reinforces the white fear and reinforces the white supremacy, uh, white supremacy. you guys know you guys what, what
3: I'm
4: saying?
3: Yeah, it's like when the people that are in the permanent underclass are like aware and then when they're aware and they like organize, that's like the, the biggest fear. Yeah. It, yeah.
4: Yeah. And it would seem that the pendulum falls once so this level of self-actualization occurs. And we see yeah, that with yeah. an umbrella, in the Umbrella Academy, how she chooses humility over, you know, her own power. All she has to whisper is, I heard a rumor. Literally. <laughs> I heard a rumor <laughs> that white supremacy was over.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I see.
1: Like, end movie, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, could I it couldn't have happened, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, I wonder why, <laughs> like, I, it has to be because the people who write these things, can't even i don't even think it's like they're malicious it's like they can't even imagine
1: yeah they can't fathom like, but yeah that would actually be liberation yeah is, like
3: that like a black different. person would want to do that like mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: and um geez. just slavery created this trauma bond that we're still in with, like us and we're all victims of white supremacy And we're still bonded to our masses, the white supremacists, until we're out of this fucking system. So, yeah, it's it's sick, man. We're still being fed upon by white supremacists.
2: And still being consumed. Yeah. I have to head out in five minutes, but um,
1: just heads up. But well, I'm excited to read the next chapter, <laughs> and this is like very—I don't know. This is like really important to read.
4: Yeah,
0: I, now uh, talk about this book uh, and this book as much as possible. You know, get people aware about white privilege relations. <laughs> <though. People laughs> definitions that on our YouTube page, Sarah, you have to learn those and okay, those I will. Right.
1: We'll memorize them. Memorizing the friends. Yeah, since I've moved to Cleveland, and in, I mean, I'm living in Cleveland, Ohio. This is where Tamir Rice was murdered. Yeah. yeah, and so I've gotten involved with the mutual aid orgs and, like, organizing here. And it's very interesting to be in a town that it, or in a city, it's only, like, 300,000 people, but much smaller, but then everything, um, just, like, in organizing and, like, everyone knows each other, and, like, every, a lot of people, I don't know, like, Tamir's mom is, like, very big, and you can, it is very active, um, but, I don't know, it's so fucked up, I feel like, I don't know, I grew up in Houston, and a lot of times in, those like, a city like Houston, there's seven million people, it's just, like, so abstract, and, like, so distant, um, but here, it's just, like, I like went to go through a cer- I, I went to ceramics class and it was at the park, where he was killed. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this still exists? Like, how has this whole place like not been burnt down or something? <laughs> but because there were like really horrible race riots, really close to where I live here, like the whole black population, similar to Detroit, is like still suffering.
0: Yeah, and when you say race riot, do you mean white people killing black people indiscriminately? Okay. Yes. Um,
1: Yeah, they're, they're called the Huff Riots, and there was, it was like, it was like this prospering Black community that is really close to where I live, which is very close to the university I'm at right now, Um, and then, I mean, I need to, (laughs) that's the thing, it's like, there's not even that much, like, like, history, like, available, I tried to research it, and I'm still, like, in the process of doing that, but then, like, basically, like, it, the the backlash from the police and from the national guard like in the violence they enacted on the black community like no, never recovered ever like no semblance of that and even like within the black community here it's like seems like a very neo like there's like no sort of accountability from the government they're like we need to like fix this town or like this community i'm like this is like a site of incredible violence like holy shit. like the city needs to do something but yeah
0: there's more evidence more evident that the white psyche is so detached from humanity like Mm -hmm. no idea like i don't even i'm starting to not believe that some white people can love their children i just i just like i don't i don't think a lot of these slavers love their children i don't think that it was possible like and i think that um, another reason why we have so many people just being born into this world just super Not human anymore, because uh, just six hundred years of just violence, rape, no accountability, wealth, power, total control over the planet, and that has to be something sick to the mind. You know, but that 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 power should not go to people who use that power to be sadistic. You know, and I just don't think it's in non-white people nature to be this cruel or to be violent i think it all everything you know has been taught by our masters by the majority of things you know at least um Every day. last week, um, um, we talked about Christianity and you said you're gonna be about your, your answer a little bit longer. Were you able to
2: do that?
4: Uh, yes. I think long story short, um, what I'm doing in terms of my own spiritual path, it just works for me.
2: Um,
4: and it's I'm always questioning. And so that's a good position to be in.
1: That's that, really. Yeah. Um. It was so nice to meet you, everybody. I will we'll see y'all next week. Mm-hmm. If this also keep happening, we'll be chapter three. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. we'll okay. be on um, Friday or Saturday, y'all. Nice to
1: meet you too. Yeah, Friday's a yeah. Either works for me, I just have to know ahead of time. Okay, awesome. Thank you
4: all. Bye. So bye. bye. Welcome, welcome to the club. Um, bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee. So yeah, I'm really thinking like how much um, like Frankenstein, vampires, how much of this just stems from slavery and like the access to black bodies and being able to experiment on live subjects, like how much of this stuff comes from the reality of black suffering? I feel like a large majority of it. But, and and um, remember, look at this. This is a fucking heart right here. This instrument that was probably used to, to torture, measure black people in some capacity is has been made to symbolize love and affection in our fucking world. This is not a coincidence, this is, this is what a little flapping the fucking face, has to be. I've like,
4: seen that before.
0: <laughs> like, so once you find out what this device was used for, it can't be good, it can't be good. But what I do know is that this is a heart, and a heart is supposed sort to of symbolize love and affection.
3: There's no love and affection during slavery at all. Well, I mean, I think that's what the book is like teaching us, is that they garner love and affection from those acts. Those That is what they see as love and affection. Yeah, I know. So, it's like a whole different... I'm, yeah, I, I, I grapple with like... It's hard for me to say, like, is this a part of white people's nature? Or if it's like who they are in terms of like um I don't know, like genetically or something. Because I think it, it like I, I for me it it takes away a lot of capacity to like envision something better. Like but then I don't know what else to or how else to describe a group of people from like one country who have pretty much colonized almost every other country and like you know taken their resources in some way shape or form and who now have you know societal structures that are pretty much mirror images of these western countries like it's hard for me to grasp really the amount of power white supremacy has and also like how like where it comes from and how to see a society different from that because so much of what we do we we're so not in touch with like what we do outside of white supremacy and that's coming from someone who lives in like Ghana or who's from Ghana even there has so much of that in it so what do you guys think yeah I'm like
0: I'm just really excited to get the ISIS papers because um, she does a really good job of breaking down the history behind white supremacy and like, and she talks about old white tribes who like, who literally like these old ass fucking ancient tribes were still anti-black. They have like, like ideology already surrounding like the dark, the dark people are bad for some reason. So I just want to um, can't wait to get that book because I I just
2: feels
0: like it's a must read. you want to understand like the, the complexity of. It white supremacy and where it comes from, how it manifests in online areas of activity. Um, so, um, In terms of that
4: question for me, um, it comes down to, in terms of dismantling white supremacy, interaction by interaction. For me, uh, I've consumed or white supremacy with a certain level of self-abnegation um, and so, for me, that, for me, it means to not, you know, deny myself so much.
2: Um,
4: that's my own sort of uh, sword in terms of how to deal with that monstrosity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like i um, just being aware of that. You know, trust very only trusted by people who have proven themselves to be trustworthy. Like, I have, like, very few white people in my life, which is, like, not by accident. Um, For my safety, actually. My safety and my family's safety.
3: Yeah, I think that's interesting, because um, a lot of people talk about Bacon's Rebellion and, like, how, like, um, it was, like, just the uh, big, like, do you guys know about Bacon's Rebellion? Yeah, I can't really it's hard for me to hear you. Oh sorry, I so said everyone, can you hear me now better? No. Okay like a lot of people know about Bacon's Rebellion and they cite it as like you know like the big like multiracial like organizing that like because it was in the, I think it was like in the 1600s this white guy got a bunch of like slaves and indentured servants to have a rebellion basically because it was a rebellion based on getting rid of um, indigenous people or taking their land or something like that. But they like burned a bunch of slave owners' lands and things like that. And like people see Nathaniel Bacon, which is the white guy. People say that after Bacon's Rebellion was when the white masters were much more cognizant about making sure that Black people and white indentured servants were like separated, and that they treated white indentured servants slightly better, which is like the white wage, which is like the psychological wage of knowing that you're white, even though you're poor. That is like the extra benefit. And I think it's really interesting because he was like this, he was totally just like a middle class guy who took advantage of a lot of these people in very vulnerable positions just because he wanted to own land but a lot of people switch it around to show it as an example of multiracial work or organizing. And I I just think it's interesting because even the examples we have are still like white people manipulating us. That makes sense. It's, It's not as genuine. And I'm sure there are examples, but I can't think of that many of like white people really putting themselves on the line because if you do that you have to really dismantle like a lot in terms of like your economic privilege the people around you who are constantly perpetuating white supremacy i think it's it's really complicated
0: I'm really excited to uh, further the understanding of white pathology. It's really it's really important to, to coming up with a solution for this nightmare that we call earth. Um yeah. Uh child also brings I guess
3: should we over, like, final thoughts or something? Or do you guys want to keep going? What's the mood? Do you guys have any final thoughts? I think this was a a good
4: discussion.
0: I already got to get out a lot of um, negative emotions surrounding um, the reality and history. Um, yeah, I I have a much clearer vision of slavery. Um, my my understanding of slavery prior to this book was insulting, insulting to the people who experienced it, and, and insulting to like. I spoke to myself because uh, I, I've always wanted. I've always loved history, but the white man's always giving me bullshit.
2: Yeah.
0: And I uh, have some agency, so I can, you know, find some knowledge myself. But um, what about you
2: guys? I don't know,
4: have empathy for, you know, this sounds really silly, but slaves at a, at a level that I didn't have before. Um, I feel a certain connectedness um, to acts acted upon them.
2: Um,
4: now to, at a greater level that I hadn't really even touched or just like psychologically. Um, and I want to be able to be able to read the book and to be able to have a certain empathy for myself and be able to like, check in, like, this is, is this a good time to read this book? Um, because I usually read it in, like, one setting. You know, I need to be uh, <laughs> a, a little more aware of what I can do. Um,
3: I feel like you're setting yourself up for, like, a lot of trauma.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Maybe let's space it out. Let's have uh, 10 pages here, 10 pages there. Um, but but at the same time, it's like eating a flavor that you haven't eaten before and just wanting more. Uh, but it also gives you like this weird heartburn. So <laughs> yeah, I'm learning how to deal with that.
3: Um, yeah, I agree with that what you guys both said. Um, I think I'm um, yeah, I feel the same way about learning, like not learning, but I think it's really easy to talk about slavery and not really understand that these are like people and societies and groups that are like like I feel like when I'm reading especially what happened to Smith something like it just really affected me and I think um, I could almost like see him like on the boat like wanting to just die and then just like jumping off and then like the master having or like that guy having so much joy seeing him need him because he realized he wanted to be saved or something like It's just so, like, I feel like images like that need to be the collective conscious of everyone, like everyone needs to see these or like, you know what I'm not like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just like, yeah, I just really enjoyed this chapter a lot because I feel like I learned a lot from it. And I thought it was um, really good because it showed like the cannibalism socially, but also like the one-on-one type of cannibalism that happens too. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I especially liked the part about the differences that the North and South saw within each other that weren't actually differences. And I really liked... Um, just showing the different roles that different slaves made for themselves to try and like maneuver through this really horrible system. So yeah, I'm excited for the next chapter, for sure.
0: Uh, uh, Emily, have you heard of the book called Medical Apartheid?
4: Apartheid? What's the first word? Medical. Medical
0: No I haven't. I started the audiobook of that and it is it's worse it's actually worse than this book. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm yeah, I, I I um yeah, it's just the damage to the psyche that we, you know
3: it goes through like the the medical history of experimentation on Black people in America, starting from even before slavery to now, which it's still going on. Um, yeah, it's it's super exhaustive. Like there's, it goes through everything. Like how all the skeletons in classrooms, those are Black people. Like I never <laughs> knew that before. <laughs>
4: things like that yeah it's relevant given the vaccine talks
0: yeah yeah it's very real it's very relevant um yeah. i'm sure we'll, i'm sure we'll read it in our book clubs Shit. well um i'm excited to keep reading i'm excited to find out what this device is um yeah, if, if you don't know, um, any final thoughts. Uh, I I say I will, I hope, maybe some, maybe hope we do a check out question, hopefully check out, you know. Yeah. And I, the check out question is like uh, yeah, your your rose, you know, something something good going on or something that you're looking for and your thorn, something
3: like negative you're having to deal with you trying to get rid of. And your bud, like what you're excited for.
0: Yeah, you're in your butt.
3: Two roses. It's not a rose yet, that's the point.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. okay, well, I'll go first. Um, my rose is like developing like. My, my, my toolbox like, to, to counter racism and white supremacy. And my bud is uh, getting more tools to accomplish this, you know, life mission. And my thorn is uh, the heat. I hate the heat right now. What's my thorn
4: right now?
3: Snaps. Um, my roses. You know, my daughter. It's always fun. My thorn. My horrible, disgusting. Landlord and property manager who are consistently annoying me <laughs> and reminding me why we need a revolution. <laughs> and my bud is, I guess, read, honestly, reading the next chapter. So, yeah. Okay,
4: so it's Rose Thorn and a Bud. Okay. And, okay, so a rose that I have, um, are my daily or semi-daily walks, um, where I just think about reflect on the book and other things. I try to make it a happy time for the most part, you know, counting the butterflies, oh, I've seen a, you know, a red bird today versus a blue bird yesterday, you know, that, <laughs> that kind of thing, just being really in tune with my environment um a bud would be i'm not quite sure um what that means just yet like, like, oh, okay um what what does that mean uh, like, can you over
3: that? just something that you're excited for like a, a potential rose a rose in the future
4: <laughs> um i having like Lopian tubes to be able to um, express myself more fully um, given the language in the book, just about my experience as a black woman in America. Um, yeah, that's a bud. <laughs> uh, a thorn is I have to have a hard conversation with someone, uh, my mentor, and um, hopefully it'll end nicely. I, I feel like I've grown, and there are just some things that need to be communicated. So hopefully, um, this will go over nicely. I know it's all about, you know, how I'm feeling as I'm delivering it, not so much about the words, so I'm gonna be mindful about that. Um, did I say that was my form? It kinda is my form. It's been taking <laughs> up a lot of space in my head. Um, <laughs> So that kind of conversation's gonna happen this afternoon and then hopefully, you know, it'll turn into um, a rose. I'm sure I will. All okay,
3: well, right, okay, I'm gonna you, head
2: out. Yeah, I'll
0: see you next week. You guys can share the video when I post it on the YouTube. Okay. Uh, it's nice, nice talking to you both. And nice talking yeah. to you. all of everyone together the best Tommywise series on all time of Twitch. <laughs> See
3: you guys next week. Bye. Oh.